Welcome to the Peak Multifamily Funding Podcast with your host, Anton Matley. This is the place to learn how to finance your multifamily deals and make it happen. Learn from experts how to finance your deals, avoid pitfalls, and build a multifamily portfolio. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Anton Madley with Anton Dowd of Multifamily Finance, and I'm uh, really excited to welcome Juan Vargas, who is a uh, whom I have known now for, for some time. Welcome, Juan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, where you are from and uh, what you have been doing so far in your life? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for, for allowing me to be on your show. Uh, it's a great honor. So yeah, my name is Juan Vargas. You know, I, I focus more on multifamily now. Coming out of uh, high school, you know, I went to a technical school. I didn't go to, uh, to the regular college um, because I wanted to help out my, my parents financially. So I wanted to, you know, make some money faster. And, and so I did that, you know, I went to go work with uh, BMW. And so we, I was in a service department actually with BMW. I did that for, you know, 14 years. And so it was, it was a good career, you know, it was a good uh, while it lasted. And, but, you know, what I realized that, you know, was, you know, kept working, kept working and, you know, not spending time with my kids. I have three boys, so I wasn't spending a lot of time with them and it was, it was tough on me. So I decided that, you know, I needed to create some kind of passive income. And so that's how real estate came about. The way I really started in real estate was, you know, I started off with single family homes. You know, I started looking for single family homes, you know, rental houses and, and, uh, you know, I did a couple and what I realized though from there was that, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, we're vacant and it's just hard to, uh, you know, if, if you're vacant, you know, on a, on a single family home, you know, you're a hundred percent vacant, you know, there, you're not 95, 98, nothing like that. So, uh, you guess who's responsible for all the expenses. So I started realizing that. And then I felt that, you know, there was a, there's a better option out there and that's when multifamily came about. So did you, uh, also invest in, in other asset classes like stocks or bonds while you were working with uh, BMW? Yeah, I mean, I had the traditional 401k, you know, I think, you know, everybody's familiar with that, but I didn't invest in any, any other stocks. Well, well, actually, I take that back, you know, I did invest in, in, in stocks with the, with the company, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, that's not something that, that was a strength of mine. I just did it because, you know, it, I felt that it was, it would be good, but there was nothing that, you know, I took it from there. Like I, I didn't take it so, so seriously. It was just something that I was like, okay, let me try it. It was like a minimal amount. So nothing other than real estate, really. Yeah. Okay. So what triggered your decision to, to buy your first uh, single family home? I would say, you know, it, it was, you know, I wanted to spend more time with my, my boys, you know, working there at the uh, corporate job, you know, I was working six days a week, you know, so, you know, we'll get up early and, and you're, you're working all day long and then I wouldn't come back, you know, till, till nighttime. And, you know, sometimes, you know, my, my boys were already in bed, you know, at that time, you know, it was hard on me, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people that are working, you know, a corporate job and you have a family, you can relate to that because the reason why you're working so hard, you know, I would say is, is, is for them, right? And, but if you're not spending time with them, then, then, then what's the point, you know, what's the point of working in that career that you're at, you know? And so at least that was the case for me. So I wanted to create, a, you know, another source of passive income. Those single family homes was that natural progression for me and doing some, um, some rental houses and cash flow and just a couple hundred bucks a month out. That was good for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very good. And uh, I assume that you used your own money there, right? Uh, you started with your own savings. Yeah. Yeah. So I started off with my own money, my own, um, you know, the, the capital that I was saving uh, on the side. And so, yeah, these are a couple of single family homes that I was able to do. And, but what I did was, you know, they were basically, you know, rehab homes, uh, you know, put, put some, some capital into them, you know, fix them up. And then I did a, a cash out refi 
So essentially, you know, had very little money into the, to the, the homes. And then, you know, then I had a you know, new mortgage on it. So that, yeah, that, that was what I did. And, you know, that, that was my plan. You know, that was my plan to take it to, you know, 15, 20 homes and, or houses and, and, you know, take it from there. But like I said, you know, I was, um, I was vacant on one of the houses and then, you know, it really got to me that it's, it's hard to be paying for all those expenses, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's hard for anybody to be paying for all those expenses. And then you got to, you know, screen the tenant right. And it just, it's so many, uh, so many different uh, headaches that people don't necessarily think about, you know, once, once they, uh, until after they get into it, you know, for, for a while. Yeah. So that was really the trigger, right? When you had all the, the expenses, but no cash flow, where you said, well, I, I need to look for something a little bit more stable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how did you go about uh, finding your first multifamily property and how, how big was that and uh, how, how, where was that located? Yeah. Yeah. So the first multifamily property, you know, and so I'll go back a little bit, you know, once, once the single family thing was going on, I told my wife, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done with single family. I'm going to multifamily. And then she's like, what? And, and, and really it's, it's like a, like a mental barrier, I think for a lot of people, but it, you know, it really isn't that hard. If you can do a single family home, then yeah, you know, multifamily is, is, you know, some moving pieces in there, but you can, anybody can do it really. So yeah, once I told her that and I had my mindset made, then yeah, I started, uh, I started off with calling brokers, right? So I was calling brokers and, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they want to make sure that, that you're going to be able to close. So I don't think they necessarily took me seriously because whenever they would ask me for my experience, I would tell them, yeah, I have experience. You know, I've done, you know, a couple of single family homes and they're like, okay, but you know, what about multifamily? Uh, no, I don't have anything there yet, you know, and, and so they wouldn't necessarily take it as seriously, you know, so what I found was that, you know, they, I guess they felt that I was just kicking the tires and, you know, I wasn't necessarily, I guess, worth their time so much. So I was like, okay, well, what, what can I do? You know, so I started looking into doing direct mail. And so, you know, I started sending out, you know, a bunch of pieces of direct mail and, and, uh, and shortly after I started, you know, I got a, a call from, uh, from one of the, uh, apartment owners and, uh, they gave me a call and, and, and uh, basically, it was a, a mom and pop, you know, ran a 32-unit multifamily property, and they were ready for retirement. They actually built the property uh, in 1996, uh, you know, and so it was 32 units, all two-bedroom, one bath, you know, and, and you know, there, there was is a small town outside of Houston, and so they were ready pretty much to, um, to, to run off into the sunset, you know, and, and that's kind of, kind of what they wanted. And so I met with them, you know, built good rapport, you know, I tried to see what their, their main motivation was, you know, I know they had mentioned uh, retirement, but so, you know, I offered a, different, a couple of different things. I offered, you know, owner financing, you know, they, that wasn't something that they were looking for. They wanted to just to be out of the property, you know, so at the end, you know, I, I ended up having to, uh, to go to a bank um, and then, you know, and take it from there. Okay, so uh, you you suggested owner financing, but they were not interested in that. So you had to go uh, through a bank then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, they were not interested in that because you know they had a uh, previous property. You know they had like twenty single family homes and that a multifamily property as well. They had gotten burnt, you know, by a, a previous person on uh, owner financing. They were actually owner financing a house. And, you know, they got burnt by that, by that person, you know, so uh, I guess it left a bad taste in their mouths. And, and so they, you know, they, they didn't even, you know, think about that. So, and that's one thing, you know, I would tell everybody is to think about what, what it is that they need or they're, that they're looking for. And, you know, if that's something that they, you know, like for my, in my case, you know, they weren't interested in owner financing, then don't, don't push it any further, you know, look for it, for what it is that they want to do and, and try to try to meet their, their needs. 
Yeah, so uh, it's pretty impressive, right, that you found a property all by your own without prior experience. Sure, that was a lot of hustling until you you found that property, right? Uh, I think it's a good lesson, right, that yes, you can go through brokers, but if you have the time and the energy, uh, particularly for smaller properties, it's not a bad idea to to reach out to some mom and pop owners too, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think starting out, if, if, if you don't have that reputation, if you don't have that track record of, of taking down larger deals, then, you know, that could be an option. Now, there is another option, you know, if, if you want to go straight into larger deals, and that is partner, partnering up with, the, with other guys that, that do have that track record, you know, and it kind of, you know, aligns you up with them. And so whenever you're, you know, looking for your next deal, well, you can say, you know, you know we have, you know, acquired this, these properties, you know, and because it really is your partner, you know, even though you necessarily haven't acquire those previous properties that, that your partner has, but it still is it's a partnership. And, and so you definitely want to leverage those experience, those experiences. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you did it the hard way, right? <laughs> yeah, I did it the hard way. I did it the hard way. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, for me, um, you know, I just felt that that was the best thing for me at that time. And, yeah. and you know, I didn't know, I didn't know much better. You know, I just felt, you know, that that was uh, something that I could try. So it, yeah. and it worked. Right? So, yeah. So did you raise the equity? Uh, did you have all the, the money yourself or did you have it to raise him from family and friends? So for me, you know, I had, I had a good uh, portion of it. I needed a little bit more. Uh, I guess I would say um, when I went to look for a bank, to, to finance the, the property, this the purchase price was a million. So I would say that the purchase price was a million, 32 units. So the actual loan loan amount was going to be less than a million. So when I went to reach out to, to banks, a lot of them weren't necessarily interested because it was under a million. So usually for, for that price point, it's, it's easier to get, you know, any kind of financing through a local, you know, bank or some kind of, you know, regional bank. But, you know, uh, these uh, these other banks that, that will do like a, maybe a Fannie or Freddie, uh, they typically will like to stay, you know, above a million at, at the very least, you know, usually. And so I had a hard time finding someone that will, you know, want to take on this deal. Even though I knew that this deal, you know, had a lot of potential, it, it was it was a good property. They just weren't interested because of the, the, the loan amount, you know. And so I went through, I, I would say like seven or eight different banks, you know, and and they kept, you know, pretty much, you know, rejecting me. And, but, you know, what I found out was that, you know, I refused to, to quit. I refused to give up on, on the, uh, the property. Um, and so, so finally, you know, I was just driving down, you know, one of the highways here in Houston. And, and I was like, you know what, let me just turn into this bank and, and see what happens. You know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and, and, and sure enough, that ended up being the bank that actually gave me the loan. So it just goes to show you that you just never know. So you got to actually try it. It's always going to be a no unless you try, you know, yeah. and that's what, you know, I always believe in. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's who, uh, there was a local regional bank that actually, uh, that actually, you know, gave it to me. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty impressive. Right. Uh, I think it's important for our listeners to understand, right, all the pain you have gone through. Uh, as you have mentioned, once a loan amount is above 1 million, it, it opens a lot of uh, possibilities, including uh, agency finance, whether it's Fannie or Freddie. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously below that uh, 1 million mark, and we, we recommend that all the time to really go with your uh, local relationships. You have much better right. chance there. But as you you have seen, even though you you've uh, attempted to build up these local relationships, it takes a lot of time to find that that lender that is willing to take that risk with you, particularly since it's it was your first 
deal, right? Yeah. So they didn't yeah. have any track record of, with you knowing that you actually can perform. So how did you convince them that, that you, uh, this was the right deal and that you would be able to, to do it? Yes, that's a good question. So what I did was, and I did this for all the banks, right? But uh, for the last one, you know, what I did was, you know, I'll say what I did, but basically I had all my ducks in order, right? So I had, I came in with my, my financial statements. I went in there with my business plan. I went in there with all the property information and, and, and pretty much everything. I laid it all on the table. I said, look, this is, this is who I am. This is what I have now. This is what I've done. This is the property. This is what I plan to do with the property. And, and this is why it's going to be successful. So once you're able to pitch it to them like that, then they're able to see that, hey, this guy is, is serious. You know, I see the potential in the property. I see the potential in, in this guy. And so he, he was like, he scratched his head, you know, for, for a second. He was like, and how many banks have you gone to? And I was like, man, I've, I've gone to like eight or so, you know, and he's just the last couple of days. And he's like, really? And nobody even, you know, thought about giving you, you know, or, you know, helping you out. I was like, no, you know, the, the loan amount, is not, it wasn't large enough for them. But even though the property looks solid, it just wasn't something for them. And he was like, man, he was like, this is a good property. You know, I, I like what you're doing. I, I like you. He was like, give me till tomorrow and, and, you know, I'll give you a call back. And I was like, okay. And so sure enough, the next day he gave me a call. He was like, let's do it. And so that's how, that's how you know, came, came about. So what I would recommend for anybody, if you're in a smaller, regardless, regardless, I would say, no matter if it's a smaller, less than a million or, or you know, five million, 10 million, you always got to have your ducks in a row, you know, have your, your, all your information, your personal information, have your business plan, have it set up, you know, because if somebody's going to lend you money, they're your biggest partner really in the deal, you know? And so they want to know that the property is going to, is going to operate properly. You're going to do a good job operating it. You know, if it, even if it's not you doing it yourself, even if you have a property management company, you know, they want to know the business plan. And if you can sell it on them, then, you know, you'll have a good chance of moving forward, you know? So I would definitely recommend that. Very good. Here you, you've mentioned another point that is very important, right? With these local small community banks that you are really reaching out when you walk in to, to individuals that can make decisions or are very close to the decision makers. They don't have to go through multiple levels of, of decision making, right? right. Uh, like if you go with a major large bank that is a national bank, you will never have been able to achieve what you achieved, right? So you really have to go through a local or a community bank. So what, what has happened afterwards? Uh, what, what was the condition of the property in? And uh, uh, you, you refinanced ultimately out of that bank loan, right? So was that driven by, by rehabbing? Was it just the market that helped you to improve the rents and the value of the property? Or how, how did that all work out for you? Yeah, well, for that property... I mean, the, the rents were way below market. You know, I looked at the, you know, you got to do your homework. You know, I would say for everybody, you know, if you're starting out or even if you're not, then you know, do your homework on the market. You know, you got to know that before even going into a property, right? Know the potential of the, the property, the subject property that you're trying to get. But, uh, you know, we, we saw that the, the market rents were way below, right? Um, or they were below way, uh, the market rents. And it was because the, the, they were running it like a mom and pop, you know, operation. You know, it, the property was, was paid for for them. And so it, it was cash flowing like crazy. And so, you know, for them, they didn't have any need to, to go up on the rents. You know, it, it was already doing well, right, for them. You know, what I did was, you know, there were a couple hundred bucks, you know, below market. And, and so I went in there and, and before I, I even increased the, the rents, you know, I, went, I made sure that I provided some kind of value for them, which was, 
in this case, you know, exterior improvements, you know, landscaping, you know, uh, painting of the doors, you know, painting of the staircases, you know, uh, roof repairs, uh, you know, exterior lighting, you know, change the lighting to uh, uh, LED lighting, updated the, um, there was actually a, like a storage unit that was being used as an office and I updated that, you know, and made it look like a, like a, like a nicer, you know, B plus type uh, of office. And so I, I did all these things and then I was able to, you know, go up on the, on the rents on, on, on some of these units and then the ones that, that, that started leaving because, you know, naturally, you know, if you go up on the rents, you know, some people don't like it and they're going to leave. And so the ones that were leaving, that was a good opportunity for me to, to be able to go into the unit and then, you know, put like four grand into the units and then, you know, go up on the rents even more. So ultimately uh, we ended up selling that property you know, um, 18 months after we acquired it. And the reason why I was, I, I thought about, I decided on selling it because it, it was a good property, but the, you know, as most people can know that, you know, the smaller properties can take, you know, a little bit more time, you know, so it was a little bit more, more time intensive. And, you know, if you want to be in this business for a long term, I would say that, you know, going bigger is better, you know? And so that's, you know, that's the reason why I decided to sell it ultimately because, you know, you know, like that I could take some of the proceeds and, you know, and get into larger, larger properties. Mm -hmm. Very good point, right? Uh, you, you had two options, right? Uh, I think initially you had the intention just to refinance it into a yes. small balance Friday loan, yes. which uh, will be a 10-year uh, loan, up to 10 years, right? And it's, it's always a hard decision to make, right? Uh, should, you, should you just refinance and keep the property or do you sell and you take the proceeds and you can invest in a, in a larger property? And uh, you obviously have made that choice. I think also with that choice, you you have decided also to partner up with other people, right? Your first property, you essentially did everything on your own, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, now uh, uh, you have partnered up with, with other people, so you're able to get into much larger deals. So maybe you can uh, tell our listeners a little bit how you went about this, right? How did you find other partners and how has uh, how has that been going so far i would say you know for me what i did was you know network that networking is so important you know and you know if if you see like some kind of event happening in town in your town and and you you're you're itching to, to go and you want to go but you know just go you know for two three hundred bucks it is worth it you know and and you can't necessarily see that see it in, in monetary value you got to see that the value that you're going to get in the relationship that you built right you you um just go to as many networking events as you can and so for me that that's what i did you know i was you know doing a lot of networking and um and i built a good relationship with uh, one of the guys that uh, actually that i partnered up with on this larger deal um i actually you know uh met him like around the time when, when I first acquired the 32 unit, you know, we had been building that relationship for a good, good while. And so, um, the opportunity came up and, you know, we, uh, we worked on it together. And so it was, uh, this is a, a larger, uh, 265 unit just outside of Houston. This is a deal that we're actually, uh, it should be closing tomorrow. So it's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a, it's a good one. So what has worked well uh, when you look back over, over your years of investing in single family, that, uh, that smaller property that you sold, as well as uh, now investing in that larger property, what has worked well and what hasn't worked so well? Yeah, yeah, those are good, good questions. I would say um, what has worked <clears throat> well for me is uh, being conservative. If you think you're going to get some kind of rent, you know, premium or, or, or on some kind of rehab that you do or re or whatever it is that you're doing, just make sure that you're, you're conservative, right? You know, try to try to expect the worst case scenario like that. 
if you're able to achieve a better better case scenario, then then that's a plus, right? And if the numbers make sense, you know, on the worst case scenario, then they're definitely gonna make sense, you know, if it, if it doesn't, you know, happen to be a worst case scenario. So I would say, you know, be conservative. That's that's one thing that, that has worked for me. Um, even whenever I was doing single family homes, uh, you know, I try to be as conservative as I, as I could. I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they mess with the numbers a little bit, right? They smudge the numbers to make it look more appealing, but you're just playing with fire right there, you know? And so you have to be as conservative as you can and try to be, try to be less aggressive, you know, try to be more conservative. And now, now saying that, you know, obviously the, in this market, you know, if you're too conservative, conservative, then it's going to be harder for you to, to take down the deal, right? Because there's a lot of competition out there, but you know, you got, you got to remember to, to try to be as conservative as you can, you know, nonetheless. And so I would say uh, what has worked well is, is being conservative. Now, what I would say uh, for, for guys that are listening, um, something that, that will not work well is if you're impatient, you know? And so again, you know, we're, we're in a pretty hot market right now. Who knows how the market's going to turn out to be in the next year, two years, you know, three years. We don't know. It's anybody's guess. But if you're, if you're being too impatient and you're trying to get into a property just for the sake of getting into the property and something happens and, you know, the, the market, you know, corrects itself, you know, even, even just a little bit, then, you know, you could be, you know, a little bit of a trouble. So try to be as conservative as you can uh, and try to be as patient as you can. You know, when, when looking at these deals, you know, if it doesn't make sense, then it's okay to pass on. It's okay to pass on a deal. You know, move on. You know, it's okay. You know, uh, no deal is better than, than a bad deal. You know, you've heard that many, many times. And so I really believe that as well. So I will say those couple of things. Yeah, very good. Uh, I think that's very good advice, Juan, to our listeners. I have a lot of clients that uh, go through one offering and another and they they are in the best and finals and they still lose out on a deal. And they lose out because they're consistent in their underwriting. They are not uh, changing the numbers uh, too much just so that can win the deal, right? And the, very often the ones that win deals are the ones that are desperate, right? And yes. uh, what you have uh, explained here is uh, exactly that, right? Where uh, you cannot be desperate. Once you're desperate and you're emotionally attached to to a deal, then you run the risk that you that you are going to overpay, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and, and especially if you're if you're partnering up or or you're bringing in other investors like a syndication. You know, the last thing you want to do is, is, you know, have to explain, you know, what happened to the property, what happened to their, their capital. You do not want to be in that situation, you know. If it's your own capital and you want to be overly aggressive, then by all means, you know, go, go for it. But if you're, you know, uh, bringing in other guys and working with other guys, then you, that's, that's a rule, you know. That's, that's a rule, you know. So you just got to be uh, patient, you know, and, and make sure the numbers work, you know. Don't, don't try to smudge them, like I said earlier. Don't, don't try to, you know, um, make it seem like it's going to be better than what it really is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any, any books and tools uh, that, that you are uh, using? Uh, do, do you also, are you part of a, of a coaching group or some, some other education uh, network that helps you to, to analyze deals and make the right decisions? Yes. That's a, that's a great question. I, I am not a part of a, you know, like a coaching group or, or, anything like that. What, what I do a lot is, like I said earlier, I network a lot, but I also do mastermind um, calls with other like-minded individuals. So we get on a, like a, it's pretty much every two weeks where we get on a call 
And so it'll be four or five of us and we're discussing our progress and, and we're helping each other out basically. And so that's, that's kind of what I do. And I really like that. I look forward to doing that like every, every two weeks on, on Fridays. And that, that has helped me to, uh, to take, take things to another level as well. As far as books, I would say there's a lot of great books out there. You know, obviously, you know, there's tons of books out there that you can find and, you know, you'll hear a lot of people recommending one book or another. Um, some of the books that have made a, a big impact on me when I first got started is, you know, I'll, I'll name them here, but Multifamily Millions and Emerging Real Estate Markets by David Lindahl. Just because I was so interested in getting into multifamily, those books kind of give you the foundation of, of learning multifamily and, and whatnot. So that was a good book. Those are two good books that, that I highly recommend. Uh, another one is the Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Uh, you know, that just, you know, is kind of, it's more on the single family side, you know, I guess it would say, but it was a good book or nonetheless. And, and one of my favorites is the cash flow quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of get you that, that mindset, you know, where, which quadrant you need to be in, you know, and, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about being, being in the B and, and the I quadrants as opposed to the E and the S. And so if you guys have not read that book, then I highly recommend that you guys read that book because it will, will definitely uh, help you out, you know, and, and it's one of those, you know, kind of aha, aha books, you know, you're like, dang, man, what, what have I been doing this whole time, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it really kind of, you know, you kick yourself a little bit, but then, you know, you're also thankful at the same time that you can, that you had the opportunity to read it, like that you can do the right things moving forward, you know? So I would say those, those books, you know, I'll give you more than one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll give you more than one, but you know, there's, those are some good books that, you know, I think anybody can kind of pick some, some pick up a few things, you know, from those books. So. Yeah, yeah, very good. Appreciate that. I think uh, the cash flow quadrant uh, pops up all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I would say, particularly among uh, real estate investors, that's uh, almost the Bible uh, for, <laughs> for a lot of uh, yeah. uh, investors, right? When it's that aha moment when they realize yeah. I need to make some changes in my life, right? And yeah. Obviously, you did that uh, while you were working and you started yeah. investing small and you, you just progressed from there. I think also what you mentioned to, to be a, a part of a mastermind or some form of a, of a regular meetup that keeps you accountable is, is really crucial, right? Uh, it's, yeah. It's such a, particularly in the current market, it's, it's tough to stay consistent, right? It's a lot of frustration when you look at deals and you don't win the deals and then you go to the next. So that's a, it's a great idea that to be part of a mastermind, just uh, that everyone pushes each other to, to, to move on and follow through, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, I would highly recommend, you know, joining some kind of mentor or mentorship, you know, group or coaching group. You know, if you're first starting out, you know, um, you know, I would highly recommend that. Now, if, if you've done a couple of deals, I think it's still very beneficial because you get to, you know, uh, always learn from other guys that, that are actively looking at, at deals as well, and, and even in other markets, you know. So if you're spending 20 grand, you know, 30 grand on, on one of those, um, you know, uh, I guess coaching groups or whatever, I think it's money well spent. You know, I just haven't done it, you know, but I think it's money well spent because again, you can't look at it at the dollar amount that you're spending. You got to look at the value that you're getting in return and you're, and you're building good relationships with the guys that you can potentially partner up with, you know? So 20, uh, easily 20 grand is not going to do much, you know, if, if you're able to, you know, it's nothing compared to, you know, taking down, down a deal that's 12, you know, 14, you know, $15 million, you know? So, 
uh, I think uh, I think it's, it's something that I will always always recommend is is joining a, a good coaching group or or something like that, a mentorship group. That's only good advice, right? Yes, it's 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 not cheap, right? Uh, yeah. the, the ones that really add value are not cheap, but you can make very expensive mistakes that well exactly. that that investment that you have. Exactly. I think also it it just uh, allows you to constantly validate what what you think is is good about the deal and what is bad about the deal. And if you're not part of it, it's very hard, as particularly when you start out for a new, to really identify all the the issues that potentially there are, right? So uh, yeah, those are some great yeah. points. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. So uh, uh, last question I wanted to ask, I will ask uh, all our listeners. I have gone through that, uh, and most people have gone through a deal that that went sour. So I was wondering, have you had a deal that went sour and what could our listeners learn from it? And if there was no deal that went sour, what, what was your recipes of success that you were able to avoid any deal that went downhill? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I guess fortunately for me at this point in my career, um, I have not had a deal that has gone sour uh, yet. And I say yet because, you know, I, I believe that, you know, it can happen, you know, to uh, to anybody, you know, if, if you've been in this business long enough, then, you know, most likely it has happened to you, you know, maybe once. I'm not saying something large, but, you know, it's something smaller, right? Uh, fortunately for me, it has not happened yet. I would say to be able to avoid something like that is is to um, to be conservative, you know, in your numbers. Uh, do your homework, you know. Make sure you do your homework on, you know, there's, there's a couple different things you got to do your homework on really. And I would say it quickly, but I would say... The one is the, is the property. I think most new investors, they look at the property, the property fundamentals, right? So they're underwriting the property, they're underwriting, you know, the rents and, and whatnot and, and everything about the property, which is very important. But the other thing that people don't necessarily look at is the state of the market. You know, um, is there a, a, a big employer that's moving out? You know, the, in the next three, four years, is it projected that they're going to be moving out? You know, that's going to be a lot of jobs they're going to be moving out as well. So it's going to be a lot of less people that are, you know, they're going to be able to pay there or, or whatever, right? So you got to look at the, the, the market fundamentals, as, uh, not just the property fundamentals, you know, uh, try, to, try to study the market as much as you can because think, one thing that happens like that, it'll turn the, the deal sour, like you said, you know, so that's something that, that I would highly recommend as well. Yeah, very good. That's uh, excellent advice, right? Uh, and you mentioned it earlier in our conversation, it's, it's really being a little bit on the conservative side, right? And analyze every single piece and learn from others, right? Uh, uh, you mentioned the coaching and uh, working with a team and with members of a mastermind. All that, I think, probably helped you to, to avoid a, a costly mistake. So congratulations uh, on that, right? Thank uh, you. And also congratulations uh, on, on the deal that you're closing tomorrow, right? So yeah. Thank you very much. That will be a, a major step up, right, uh, for you and, and your team. So before we go, how can our listeners uh, reach out to you? You know, they can reach out to me at Juan at CommitToWealth.com, uh, which, you know, CommitToWealth.com is, you know, like you, you know, also have a, a podcast, um, you know, that focuses on, on multifamily, you know, mainly uh, real estate investing. So, you know, people want to check it out or listen, you know, it's uh, CommitToWealth.com. And I'm on social media as well, you know, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, just to reach out to me, you know, my website, it, uh, actually goes to, once you, you know, type it in, actually, um, 
It goes to uh, thejuanvargas.com. It's not because, you know, I think of myself that high or anything. So it's just because my domain was not available, juanvargas.com. <laughs> I reached out to the guy. He, he's not wanting to sell it for some reason. And, and the worst part is that his name is not even Juan Vargas. It's some, something else. Uh, but, but, yeah, so I, I had to settle for that. But, um, you know, so you guys can reach out to me, you know, anytime. I'll be more than happy to uh, to help out in any way that I can. I think, I think that's the way it is. You know, you help out, you know, other people and, and – um, you know, it, it just uh, a sense of pride as well right there. So, yeah, very good. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, just for our listeners, we will uh, uh, post all the information in the footnote right of the podcast so they uh, can reach out to you. Uh, I think you added uh, great value uh, today. Thank you very much for taking your time to uh, uh, to discuss your path in, from single family into uh, multifamily. And again, uh, all the best with, uh, with your uh, larger investment and uh hope we speak soon yeah well i appreciate it once again anton you know it was it was a great time and, and thank you so much for everything and uh you know i wish you also continued success in in your um your career and also in on your podcast i think yeah. it's, i think it's great that you're doing this because it's, it's something very important that you know that you need to get out there and you know and so thank yeah. you very much yeah thank yeah. you Peak Multifamily Funding thanks you for listening. Tune in each week for advice and interviews that will help you bring your multifamily portfolio to the next level. Are you ready to make it happen? Go to peakmff.com to sign up for our multifamily finance newsletter and the link to our Facebook page.